Hi friends, and welcome to the Be Nourished podcast, where we talk about the nourishing things in life, relationships, food, jobs, dreams, and everything in between. Okay, we are in for a treat today because this is part two of Lauren Gloin's episode. She was first featured on episode three, so go back and listen to that if you haven't heard that because it won't make... I mean, we talk about a lot of things today, but it makes more sense if you go listen to that part of her story. So today she takes us from Florida to Nashville, um, shares her experience of being in Florida, really feeling like it was going to be it for her, and... Um, then ended up getting this nudging to go to Nashville, which is where she is currently. Lauren has so much wisdom. I love talking with her, and we just that's why we veer so much because we just have fun things to say. So I really hope you enjoy this today. I mentioned in here there's a prayer um, that has spoken to me a lot on my journey, and I will write that in the show notes. I could not think of the name of it, and I could not think of who wrote it during the episode. So I'll include that in the show notes so you can go check it out. But anyway, without further ado, here is Lauren Gloin. Hi, Lauren. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for coming back. This is part two. Um, If you haven't heard part one, it is episode three. And Lauren has such a rich story. So we needed two podcast episodes because she has so much to say. And it's so good because she came from Nevada... I said it right, right? Good job. You did. Yes. I'm proud of you. I've been practicing. Um, Started in California, went to Nevada, and then episode three, she shared a lot of her story on being in Nevada and how hard that was and what she learned about herself there. And then um, hearing about To Write Love and getting herself to Florida. Well, really, God getting her to Florida. And um, what's so interesting is that she's not in Florida any longer. She is now currently in Nashville. So, Lauren, is there anything you want to add to your intro? Last time you talked about the Enneagram and about caring for people and things like that. Is there anything you want to add about who you are? I don't think so. I think I, you're so sweet the way that you said, because um, she just had so much to say. That's such a nice way of, like... <laughs> you do! I know, but it was just a good way of explaining the stream of consciousness that was the first half of episode three. But, um, no, I feel like as we dug more in, in the later half of the episode, I feel like, I feel like people have a pretty good understanding that I'm, I, I can talk for a little while. They know what they're signing up for. (laughs) Well, I think it's good because I really do believe that while we have structure to these conversations, whatever comes up is what's supposed to come up and whatever we talk about is what's supposed to be said. So I kind of... I follow that line of thinking, and if it ends up being 15 episodes, then I don't really care, so that's how I feel about that. So, um, you ended up in Florida at To Write Love. You said, I think you mentioned last time you were there for four years, right? Yeah, so I moved there in June of 20, or no, sorry, in July of 2012, and I uh, was there until June of 2016. Okay, so I know that for, to get you to Florida... It was a bit of a situation. Like, they came, and it was so many things that just were orchestrated perfectly to get yeah. you in the room and to hear the message of To Write Love, and then you ended up putting in your application, like, kind of last minute, right? And then all of a sudden, they hire you, and you're in Florida. So, uh, walk us through. I mean, did you see yourself? Were you going to be there forever? Like, what did you think that far in advance? Was it just sort of like this is my next step, because then all of a sudden you're in Nashville. So walk us through a little bit of how all of that happened. 
Yeah. So when I moved to Florida, it was 75 days after I had heard that Two Right Love and Harms even existed, um, which is when I look back and think about that now, it's just such a whirlwind of mm-hmm. phone interviews and like prayers and like, I don't know. I And one of the things about it is I didn't tell a lot of people that I was applying to Trait Love. And so when I got the job and had to give, I gave two weeks notice because they needed someone to come in pretty quickly. So I had two weeks to tell everyone, mm. pack up my life and move across the country. And Which so it was, 75 days is for, I mean, that's a month and a half. That's insane. It was, I know it was very, very, for two very months. short. I can't do math. No, it's, yeah, it's a little over two months, but, but still it's a very short window of time. Um, but I think that that was a gift from the Lord because I think he knows that if I could stop long enough to think about it, mm, like, yep. fear would have won. Same. Um, and so it was just kind of this, I have to keep going forward. And in that season, it was so much, I can remember my prayer being, Lord, I don't want to shove any doors open. I only want to walk through the doors that you have opened for me. Like, I'm going to trust that any door that closes, you closed any window that doesn't open, you have shut. Like I, and I don't want to like bang my way into places I shouldn't be. Mm. And so if doors open, I'm going to trust that that's you. And I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to keep moving forward. And that is very much the story of my move to Florida was just doors kept opening and I kept walking through them. Mm. Um, Which is so hard because as a door shover myself, it is. Listen, I'll, I'll knock all day long. And, like, there's, sure, there's biblical references in that. But really, like, if I want to be in a somewhere, I want to be, mm-hmm. if I want to position myself somewhere, which is when I get into trouble, yes. like, I'll break that window. Oh, yeah. I'll shove that yep. door open. Like, I'll make it happen. Yep. I'm like, challenge accepted. I'll go around back. I'm, I'm really. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's tough. It's tough to wait and be patient and trusting that. Because a door, if a door is closed, Al Pal, you know, maybe we don't need to knock it down. (laughs) That's hard. Well, that's hard, though. And and especially people like you and I who, like, in our own strength can get some stuff done. Like, we're fairly go-getter. We're fairly, like, focused, um, dedicated, committed people who who are willing to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes in that mindset, at least for me, I can get a little ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, like I can be on a path that the Lord has clearly set me on and I'll just go, like I'll run full tilt. And then eventually I'll like look back and be like, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, was I, were we supposed to be over there? Right. And then it's like, okay, now come back here. Cause we actually have to like do all of the stuff that you just. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I, yep. Mm-hmm, 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 yep. <laughs> and there's such like, I don't know, humbling in that turning back and returning moment of like, oh man, like I want all of the lessons that I know I need to learn to actually be ready for where we're going. But like, can we just hurry and get there? Because I want the next part. Yeah. Why can't we bulldoze it? I don't understand. I don't understand. (laughs) Why can't I just steamroll everything and like get to where I want to be? And the Lord's like, well, honey, because if the gift that uh, Christine Kane likes to say, if the gift that is, um, well, how does she say it? Oh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically like, if what is in you can't sustain you, then the gift that is on you will destroy you. Like you Ugh. have to get, you get have out to of get my to face, a place. Christine. 
I know. <laughs> um, that's, that's how she says it. The gift that is on you will destroy you if what is in you can't sustain you. That's and <laughs> it, I remember the first time I heard that and just thinking like, okay, first of all, ow. Yeah. It's like that gif of the little boy who's like, you poked my heart. Yes. Like, that hurt. Thanks a lot. Um, but also, how true is that? Like, mm-hmm. I have, I know that the Lord has gifted me and talented me in very specific ways that are to be used for the advancement of his kingdom and for my good. And that I, that I get to have joy most of the time in walking those things out. Like, how, what a gift that is. Um, but the reality is that, like, if I take that gift and run with it, as opposed to fostering it in a relationship with him and allowing him to mold it and shape it and use it the way that he has intended I get so far into left field Mm -hmm. and and we talked about this a little bit last time but like I can I can get a lot done in my own strength I'm a fairly determined strong woman um which is putting it mildly (laughs) (laughs) um I'm a fairly determined and strong woman, but ultimately I, it's so much more of a beautiful process if I'm relying on the strength of the Lord. And not Mm. only that, but it's better. Like Mm. it's not, I can get things done in my own strength and they can be good. But when I do them in the Lord's strength and in the ways that he has called me to do them and from a place of obedience, they're so good and yeah. so much better. Well, and it's, I mean, really, for me, I am a bulldozer. If I'm working out of my own strength, out of my own will and determination, I see the thing in front of me and I'm going to get it done. And that eh. does not produce fruit. It never produces fruit. I end up getting to the goal, but at what cost? And I think you're right, right. in the sense that, you know, if you can stop and be obedient and wait, which is, I mean, possibly the hardest thing I've ever done really, then so much more fruit comes. And it doesn't mean it's easy. Like, a lot of times it's the hardest thing, which is, you know, I think I talked with Amy on our very first um, interview, episode two, about how sometimes the most nourishing things are the most difficult things, and the most hurtful things are sometimes the most nourishing. Because for me to stop and wait and trust that my anxiety is not true is so hard, like so yeah. hard because I it's it just is, but it's also the thing that produces the most fruit in me and in the relationships around me and in my clients and it just everywhere. But if I bulldoze, I'm gonna get the goal, but probably at the cost of myself and at my relationships. And I mean, I've just done it too many times to to do it again, honestly. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but I feel like also when you're willing to take that time to arrive at a goal when you're supposed to, as opposed to when you could. Yes. Um, it's so much sweeter mm-hmm. because the growth and the fruit that you get to have along that path and along that journey is, is so much deeper and, and usually ends up being the thing that makes arriving at the goal really satisfying. Mm-hmm. I find in my own strength, when I'm accomplishing goals in my own strength, hitting those goals actually feels really empty. Yeah. Like, it's very much like, a, okay, what's the next thing now? Like, I mm-hmm. arrive at the goal and I can't even savor the goal because it's like, great, this is hollow and empty. Yeah. Uh, what's the next thing that I can move toward? Totally. Whereas, if I'm willing to take the time 
to invest and learn what I'm supposed to and press in and trust the Lord as opposed to myself, which I think you can find a balance of both, but primarily trust in the Lord and his timing, arriving at the goal really does feel so much more satisfying. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can look back on the journey that got you there with so much more presence and so much more uh, awareness of, of the journey than when you have bulldozed. Yes, I would totally agree. Definitely. Yeah, but it's definitely hard because we want to, we want to get through, we want to get through things. Mm -hmm. Like we don't look at them so much as like, okay, what can I learn on the way there? So much as like, how long will it take me to get there? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Which I just think is not how the kingdom works. (laughs) Like, fundamentally, no. Like, definitely not. I I can't think of really any one thing that happened when I wanted it to happen that was also kingdom-oriented. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it does overlap, and there are times where they're very parallel and whatnot. But I just know myself. I just know that it is not my strength to slow down. And so, therefore, because that's who I am or how I am when I'm stressed or whatever, pretty much it's a good indicator that whatever is produced from that place is not going to be of the Lord. I mean, I don't. Uh, it's such yeah. a bold statement to make, but truly, I, I know myself well enough to know that for me, if I am producing, producing, producing out of out of a place of stress or anxiety, it's not going to be good. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh. That's such a nugget of wisdom, friend. Like it's, it's hard. I to- I totally agree. I feel like the things that I can get done in my own strength from the outside might look good to other people, but I know they're actually like half yeah. of what they could be. Like there's a dimness to them. Totally. Which my husband yeah. is the opposite. Clayton is the opposite. He is he know he's very good at slowing down. He's very good at rest. And so often what looks like rest can also be, um, not, it's not even really apathy, but it's just sort of like, he can get very settled in that place. And so for okay. him to move and to act and to produce is of the Lord. Whereas for me, it's often not. So it really, you have to know yourself in order to know where that is kind of becoming. It's like what you said about your gifts. It's a gift of mine to produce and to act and to be action oriented, but only so far. And so, mm-hmm. if I'm not checking what's inside, then that, my gift becomes a downfall. And same for anybody else. I mean, I have several people around me who I call my little uh, crock pots because <laughs> I tend to be on broil. And so, I have a lot of people that I surround mm-hmm. myself Yeah. I have uh, people that I surround myself with that are crock pots, and it's good for me, but it's also very difficult. You just have to know yourself and to know, like, what your yeah. thing is, honestly. Well, and... Allison, I don't know if this is true for you, but I find for me, so going back to that journey metaphor of like rushing ahead, I, so often when I make the choice to do that, it's because my circumstances don't look the way I expected them to. Totally. Yeah. So in pursuit of whatever I'm pursuing, if things don't start to look the way I thought they would, or I expected them to, then I self-correct and try and get them to look the way I wanted them to. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm the and queen that, of my universe. Oh, like, hello, I'm the queen. So I have to make everything <laughs> happen. Well, and not only that, but like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in my life, the Lord has been really kind. And before, I mean, that's the thread of my entire life. A lot of times, listen to me. All of the time. <laughs> all of the time. 
kind. He's so kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the recurring things that has happened to me in my walk with the Lord is before big seasons of transition, I usually have this moment that I've liked to call my Jeremiah moment where and before the in the book of Jeremiah, before the Lord like gives Jeremiah the vision of what's about to happen, he says, get yourself ready. Mm. And so I feel like in there have been times in my life where I feel a deep stirring of get yourself ready. Like there's there's new coming, there is transition coming. Um, I have things that I'm going to need you to say yes to that won't make sense. So get yourself ready Mm. and, and not in a get yourself right, girl. That's Mm -hmm. not at all what it is. It's much more of like a deep sense of prepare for things to shift Mm -hmm. and prepare to say yes to things and trust me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and that happened before my transition to Florida. It happened before my transition to Nashville. It's happened before many other transitions in my life. And the time frame has always looked different. Um, Sometimes I have, it's usually a longer period. Like it's usually a few months, but in some cases it's more like a year. But it's really this, this kindness season from the Lord of like, hey, preparation for Mm -hmm. what's coming. And I think for me in that time, I, in the past, have sometimes expected things to start happening, move, or start moving more quickly than they have, or I've expected them to look a certain way, or I've expected to feel a certain way about them, and when they haven't looked the way I thought, or felt the way I thought, or, like, conformed to my idea of what should be happening, that is usually the moment that I choose between, okay, I'm going to be still and wait upon the Lord, or I'm going to jump into action mode and start making stuff happen. Mm. And, and sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I haven't, but for me, the biggest lesson in that has been that when I choose to be still and wait upon the Lord, it's so much better. Like that, the verse of more than you can ask or imagine is so true I can't like it resonates from so deep within me, but and I wish I could bottle that feeling. Like I wish I could bottle that awe and wonder of Lord, only you. Like mm-hmm. this moment that I'm living in and these circumstances that have worked together, only you. Like I could not have done this. Mm-hmm. I wish I could bottle that so that in those moments where I'm trying to decide between the tension of being still and waiting upon the Lord and trusting what He said and activating my inner drive Mm -hmm. um I wish that I could bottle it so I could like feel it in that moment totally and I and I do think that being I do I don't always think that being still and waiting on the Lord means stillness in the sense that we understand it I think that like you do it is work and you do have to move forward and you do have to take steps Mm -hmm. and so I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying like sit on your couch and eat Cheetos and wait for a job because like that's not Right. That is not being still and waiting on the Lord. I think being still and waiting on the Lord is saying, okay, Lord, I know what I would do in this situation, mm-hmm. but what have you called me to do? Yeah. I heard it and, one time as like a yielding, like you're choosing to yield. Yes. You know, it's not like you stop acting. It's not like you stop trying, but you yield yeah. your desires to his. And I yes. think, you know, and it's, and 
everybody's on a different path with that. You know, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of practice. I think it's easy to sit here and talk about the things that we've experienced in hindsight where we're like, oh, that was very clearly um, a left turn or we saw where the Lord was acting in that. This is not, I mean, it's not like, I mean, for me personally, I don't typically hear the Lord audibly say to me, Allison, this is your time to yield. This is your time. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a, you have to know yourself and being open and willing to sense when the Holy Spirit is like, okay, you know, hello. And for me, a lot of times it is just a feeling and I can't explain yeah. it, you know, but I, you have to listen to that gut or whatever you want to call it in order to know because it's not as easy as I guess it sounds. And I want to be sensitive to that because I have been in a place a lot of times totally. where I listen to people or I've read things where I'm like, how do you hear him? Like, how do you know? Mm. And sometimes I don't. And I think you would say that too. Sometimes we don't. It's more of taking your best guess and having a heart that is desiring to do the right thing. Yes. There's a prayer by, um, and I'm, I should not, you know, it's one of those things where you want to bring it up, but then you're like, dang, I don't, I'm going to butcher it like earlier, what you were saying about Christine Kane's quote. There's a prayer by, I have it written in one of my old Bibles, and it says, um, you know, Lord, I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea what my path is. I can't see the road in front of me, but my desire is to follow you and to serve you. And I, yes. tr- I trust that that's enough. I trust that my desire for that is, is what's going to get me there. Not that I know all the answers, not that I know what I'm doing, not that I know that this is even the right move, but more like my heart is in a position of wanting that so badly that I trust you'll do the rest. And that's what I think we're talking about when we say stillness in the Lord. It's more of like, okay, Lord, I'm yielding myself to you. I have no idea what this means. I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to try this and I trust that you'll do the rest. Well, and yeah, the posture of your heart in that matters so much. I Yeah. I totally agree with you. I think it's easy for me to look back and be able to identify moments that the Lord was speaking through his spirit to me. But same as you, like, I don't have, I have, I have two examples in my life of being, of like hearing the Lord audibly. And even that sounds like a little mystical and hard to say. I know it's not. I know he does that. Um, But I think you're right. I think. I think it honors the Lord and I think it brings him joy when we have hearts that are willing. And I think he honors that and blesses it. Like it doesn't mean that we hear him perfectly every time. And it doesn't mean that we do the right thing. It just means that we live our lives from this place of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. It, and that we're willing to fail. I think, I yeah. think the reality is, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to make a misstep and not fall down a shame hole and instead say, okay, Lord, like, let's pick me up and keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really does, like, I think it makes his papa heart really happy. Well, I I really do think it's the point. I mean, I I fundamentally believe that it's the point. It is not the point to know the answers. It is not the point. No. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I really believe. And thank God. Yes. Like, truly. Yeah. I don't want to know the answers. No. I think if I did, I'd get even more, met, like, messed up and in my head about it. Totally. I, I do. Uh, but I think, and again, I don't know, maybe it's just my background, but I think for a long time I felt like I had to know. I had to know what was right and what was wrong. I had to know the right way to go. I had to know the next step. And I just truly believe that the point of a relationship with God is that you don't. Because if you did, you would not need him at all. 
And well, and not only that, but if I knew, like if he had told me going in, like, Hey girl, this is what you're going to be doing when you're in Florida. You know how fast I would have run from that? Oh, sure. And you can't enjoy the time you're in because you're, all you're thinking about is, you know, the next thing. Right. Well, and I think you touched on this earlier so much. Two things. One of them is in talking about stillness, not being sedentary, like, in order, so, like, get back in the metaphor you and I were using about doors, like, in order for doors to open, you have to knock on them, mm-hmm. so, like, mm-hmm. there is, there is action in that stillness, yeah. and the second thing is, when you were talking about, um, struggling, or not struggling, but, like, knowing whether or not you're hearing from the Lord, and, and just kind of doing your best, I think one of the things that's easy to skip over in that that mindset is you it does require a certain amount of intimacy with the Lord to hear his voice however he chooses to speak like Mm -hmm. I believe that he can get to us as he needs to like he's he's in creation he's everywhere and you know loves us enough to sometimes sit us down (laughs) oh yeah definitely um but to be really tuned into those moments of being still and waiting on him and then hearing from him does require an intimacy with him, whether that's through prayer or his word or however you and you have found that you can experience that. But like, there is something required of us in that. I think, I think the Lord is always willing to speak. I think we Mm -hmm. determine how much we're willing to listen. Yeah. Well, and there's that verse, um, which I could not tell you where it is, but anywho, it's that verse that says, um, we're crawling our way towards him, even though he's not far from us ever. Um, and I'm definitely paraphrasing, but I've always read that verse as if it sounds to me as if the lights are off and we can't see, but we are crawling and reaching and we're trying, but the Lord is always right there. And it it sometimes feels like he's not, but he is. And I think intimacy is a discipline But I want to encourage anybody who is, again, listening and is like, I don't even know what that means. I have no idea how to have intimacy with the Lord. I've tried, and it doesn't feel like it's working. Totally. It's a call. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm there some days still. There now. Yeah. Let's be honest. There now. Exactly. And it's... It's not like a hill that we walk up. It's it's stair steps, and sometimes it feels like we walk back and we go up, and it's a journey. And I think mm-hmm. I just want to encourage anyone who might feel like, ugh, you know, because I have felt that. It's it's a reaching, and he's never far. And I know that yeah. is controversial because it often feels like, you know, well then where is he? But and I don't know, y'all. I don't know, but yeah. I have to believe that he's not far, because if I well, don't, then yeah. the world is over. <laughs> Well, and I want to, I totally agree with you. And yeah, for anyone listening who's like struggling, I, I've lost track of the amount of times that in my walk with the Lord, I've thought, where are you? Like, I don't, I'm, and like, I'll just be super honest and transparent. It usually follows me being like, I'm working so hard. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but definitely it really does come from this place of, of, of pressing in and of yielding. I think that's been true in my life is I will have moments where I I'm walking through a season that feels a little bit like this right now where I almost feel a little bit, I've had to be really honest and admit that like, I'm a little bit like a wall and 
I keep looking for the Lord, but the reality is he's right next to me. And if I were to just turn Mm -hmm. and ask and seek, I I would find Mm -hmm. like that promise in his word is true. Mm -hmm. And that's not always what people are walking through. Sometimes there really are seasons where it feels like the wall is not of our choosing and, and it's so hard. Um, but I would encourage anyone who's walking through a season like that, where they just feel like the lights have been turned off and they're grasping and they can't find purchase on what they need, like press into that. One of the most transformative books I've ever read in my whole life was a book called the gospel according to Moses. And in that this, an evangelical Christian spent a year going to Torah study with a friend of his who is Jewish. And he walked away with this singular lesson that to me has shaped so much of my relationship with the Lord, but especially those moments, which is God loves an honest question. Mm, Yeah. And if we as his children could find it within ourselves to take our full selves to him, even if that's our anger or our frustration or our confusion, um, like that, that is such a key way to experience that intimacy. And my relationship with the Lord has been forever changed by my willingness to, in the moments that I feel like he's distant or in the moments I feel like he's silent or in the moments where I'm straight up mad at him, like let's just mm-hmm. call it what it is, mm-hmm. where I'm struggling with anger or frustration, taking that to him as opposed to turning within myself. Yeah. Um, And not approaching him with questions from a place of, like, you owe me this. Because that's not the posture of children to, like, to God. But more of a posture of, I know that you love me. And I know that you see these parts of my heart in a way that even I can't see them. Mm. And, like, you don't owe me an answer, but I want to be honest with you about where I am right now Mm -hmm. and I choose to believe that that honors you and that it's so much of what we see David do in the Psalms is just like pouring his heart out to the Lord from a place of trusting that God already sees it and it honors him when he brings it to him honestly and vulnerably Mm -hmm. and that he can trust God with that part of himself yeah Mm. and that to me has been such a huge step so I like it's such a huge step in intimacy like deepening that connectedness with with God yeah so girl I have a feeling you're gonna be a recurring guest because we just could talk about things for hours and hours and hours it's so good yeah it's it's good. good and I think it comes from a place of like you and I we're wired a little differently, but we're also wired in like some of the same ways. Like some yeah. of our childhood stuff is the same. Mm-hmm. And that like that striving to like, not striving, that's the wrong word, but that desire to understand yeah, not just ourselves, but also other people. And like that deep resonating peace that God's in all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think so. we both have a desire to, at least, yeah, I think I can confidently say, we both have a desire to look back at little Alpal and little Lauren and mm. anybody else who might be, because just for so long, I just felt like, why is nobody talking about this stuff? Like, why doesn't anybody yeah. tell me what to do? Why, why don't I have guidance? And some of it could be, you know, I didn't know where to look and I wasn't seeking and whatever, but... 
I just have such a heart to look back and say, ugh, girl or guy, I was there and here's what I felt and here's what I wanted to know and here's what I heard from people and here's how that was damaging. Like, I don't know. I just, I think we both feel that way. And so that's why we get so riled up about it because it matters that people who are five steps ahead of us or five steps behind us speak the truth about the situation, but also with hope because it's not enough to just be honest you have to also be hopeful, I think, or else, seriously, like, we can't make it because this is hard, and life is hard, and there's a million things that make it hard. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. I think we both have that desire, which is why we get real passionate about it. Well, and I think I'll add to that. One of the things that you and I also agree on is I don't... I think one of the reasons that we do feel as strongly as we do about the people who are five steps ahead and five steps behind, and right alongside us Mm -hmm. is we know and understand that like I can sit here all day and tell you the steps that I made to get me to where I am but that does not mean that anyone else's journey should look that way oh yeah we like I'm not I'm not suggesting that my experience is exactly what anyone else's experience should be like in fact if it too closely resembles mine like step off the path for a second and reevaluate because one of the things that to me is so important is the grace that your journey is your journey and it doesn't have to look like anybody else's and that's like scary to us to a certain extent but it's also a hope really peaceful because we are each individuals who are in personal relationship with the Lord and each other, and which means it shouldn't look like anybody else's. And I think one of the things you and I really staunchly agree on is like, I want to come alongside you and share truth with you from a place of compassion and understanding and empathy, not in any way in a like, and now you should do this and then you should do this. No, it's a, it's a joint, it's like a linking of arms. It's a joining of that spirit of surrender and posture. And like, a, let's all, we're all just doing our best, man. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. But. It's more of an invitation. It's like, let's eat some queso. Yes. Here's the things let's I've learned. Queso. Here's what <laughs> you can share with me. Let's eat some more yes. queso. That's how I feel. Let's eat some queso. You're my favorite <laughs> human. <laughs> Okay, so you get to Florida. I know, it's so good. So you get to Florida, and you're there for a couple years. When did you get this nudging or the the whatever that said, huh, might be time to head to Nashville? Yeah, so I moved to Florida, and you asked me this earlier, and I want to speak to it. Um, If I moved to Florida with the intention of being there forever, and I think the answer is yes. Mm. Um, I was 25. I had never made a really big transition like that before, at least not to that extent. Um, And to me, it was this really catalytic moment of, oh, this is a thing that I can do. Like, I can pick up my life and I can go full tilt in pursuit of this vision that I feel like I have for what my life could look like and I can help other people while I'm doing it and I can live my best life, if you will. Um, which like, don't even get me started. (laughs) But 
so for me, I moved to Florida with the intention of it being forever. And I, I don't regret that because I think to a certain extent it's shifted now where when I enter any season of life, I very much enter it from this place of I am here while until I'm not anymore. Mm. I'm fully committed. I'm going to be planted here. Um, and I don't know how long that could last. It could be six months. It could be six years. It could be six decades, but I'm, I'm all in, like, I'm going to choose to be all in. Um, so that's shifted a little bit for me. And I think that so much has to do with like, I want to be really open handed in, in what I feel like the Lord has given me to do because it can shift Mm -hmm. and not from a place of like expecting shift or like, I don't know, setting myself up to make an easy exit or anything like that. I think it's just really important. It's been really important in my life to find this balance between I'm here, I'm all in and I'm committed, but also the door is always open if the Lord wants to do something new or something else. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to honor what he's called me to today. And so for four for about three years and 11 months, that was living in Florida and working for Trey Love on Arms. And, and so that shifted a little bit. That's kind of when that mindset started to shift as well. I was in Florida, but I moved there fully intending to like build my life in Florida. And so that went really, really well for about two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I made great friends. I was really close to Disney World. So, like, hi. Amazing. Annual pass holder all day long. So good. Um, I, having grown up in Southern California and then moving to Lake Tahoe, I think in my back of the back of my mind, too, I always just assumed I was a beach girl. Mm. And so moving to Florida, it was like, yes, I'm going to be near the water. And I did really, really love that. But uh, also... I never actually went to the beach for the whole time I lived there. Like, I went occasionally. That is the best thing I've ever heard. (laughs) But I was much more a bundle up and go watch the sunset or sunrise kind of girl than I was, like, a let's go lay on the beach kind of girl. Right. Um, Which I never would have known had I not lived in Florida as an adult and had the conscious choice to make of, like, it's Saturday. I can either go to the beach or I can go to Disney. I'm going to go to Disney. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, or I'm just not going to do anything because I work in a care field and I'm exhausted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's more That's more true for me than not. Like, bye, yeah, I can't talk dude. to anyone. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, I learned a lot about rest in my time in Florida. Um, but yeah, so a, about two years into my time in Florida... I had some very dear friends of mine move to Nashville, and I had never been to Nashville, but I'd heard about it, and so we made plans for me to come visit them shortly after they moved in 2014, and before I left, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're going to love it there, and and truly, it was, so for those of you who don't know, the thing about Nashville is it's very much become this place where a lot of people have moved in the last five years. Um, totally. It's overwhelming. Uh, it's very overwhelming. It's grown very, very quickly. It's become very urbanized. Um, and people are coming from all over the country to live here. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of friends who had made that trek, if you will, and had relocated to Nashville. And so in 2014, I planned a trip 
for my birthday to come visit some friends. And before I left, a lot of people had said, you're going to love it. You're never going to want to leave. Oh, my gosh. And they had, like, hyped it up so much. Mm. And I came to visit, and I liked it. I mean, I love spending time with my friends, obviously. And we did a lot of really fun stuff while I was here, so I enjoyed my trip. But no part of me felt compelled to live in Nashville at the end of that trip. Mm. In fact, I actually felt exactly the opposite. I very much left feeling like I'll never want to live in Nashville, which just as as an anecdote, anytime I think to myself, oh, I'll never want to do that. I almost feel like it's a little bit like a, (laughs) am I challenging the Lord in that? Because Uh almost like in my life, I've said I would never live on the East coast. I've said I would never. And like Allison, literally the sentence has come out of my mouth. I will never live on the East Coast, but if I do, I would really never live in Florida. Oh, my gosh. So funny. It's so funny. <laughs> so, and part of me is almost like, did we do that whole thing so that I would learn to stop saying never? The mm. answer is no. Mm. That might have been one of the lessons, but there were many others. <laughs> sure. Um, but I left Nashville very much with this sense of, like, I'll never want to live in Nashville. And part of that is because... There are so many wonderful, wonderful things about Nashville. But one of the things that has been really hard and continues to be really hard for me living here is this sense of striving. Oh, tell me about it, girl. I know. You escaped. Um, I did. But there's very much this need to self-make in Nashville. Oh, yes. And I felt like a lot of the people that I met... To this day, one of the hardest things that I experience in Nashville is when people say, the first question that they ask me is, so what do you do? I know. And I understand that the reality is that's not an uncommon icebreaker question. Because it is this moment where you can, like, are we in the same field? Do you do something I'm interested in? Like, I'm getting to know you. Mm. But in Nashville, that question is seasoned so much more with a... A desire to know whether or not they measure up. The, it's like a comparison. They, they they measure up, but also, does the way you answer that question help me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if I tell you that I'm in publishing, yeah, are you automatically going to be thinking like, oh, I want to be a writer, or I want to be a musician, depending on what kind of publishing you think I'm in? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that very much, I felt like a lot of the people that I interacted with on my very first trip to Nashville wanted to know what I did for a living as a way of qualifying my worth as a human. Yeah, I get that. And for me, I'm so not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, they were all lovely people. I know a lot of them still now, they've become some of my friends, the people that I met on my very first trip, but it turned me off in a very big way yeah. to Nashville. Yeah. Um, so... So I left my first trip in Nashville feeling very like, that was fun. I'll go back again and visit my friends. But like, I don't want to live there. Mm. And I can remember coming home and my boss at the time being like, did you like almost a little nervous? Like, did you have fun? Did you have a good time? And I remember setting her at ease and just saying like, yes, I had fun. It was great, but I have no desire to live there. She was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like this sigh of relief. Oh, man. Um, So imagine my surprise when for the next year, I couldn't really like shake Nashville Mm. out of of my mind and out of my heart. And 
I found myself praying for the city and I found myself like feeling drawn and I was confused by that. And so around this same time, shortly after my trip, my first trip and before my second one, which happened in late 2015, I, I started to feel that same, get yourself ready. Mm. And that scared me a little bit because I, at the time, nowhere had ever felt like home the way Florida did. Mm-hmm. I was so happy and not, ha- not necessarily happy, but I was so content and so peaceful. I had, um, joined a church there that I really loved and I was in ministry and leading. I was, um, producing weekend services, which produce event production is, I, I mean, I love it. It's so much fun for me. Um, so I was serving in ministry again. I was, thriving in my job everything was going really well to my understanding and then I felt this prompting of get yourself ready and I was like wait Mm. what does that mean because and again that prompting hasn't always been related to geographical change sometimes it's been other things but so I started to kind of press into that a little bit um but at the same time was feeling very Nashville felt very compelling not as a moving there but as a like it was, it was, it was in my heart in a way that I didn't really understand. And so, uh, so my first trip to Nashville was in October of 2014. I went back in August of 2015 to visit some friends and some different friends who lived in a different part of the city. They actually lived down in Franklin, which is a adorable little suburb that is 30 minutes so south cute. of the city, which is actually where I live now. So. <laughs> Um, so we went and my friend Claire and I went and stayed with some friends who lived down in Franklin and I fell in love. It Mm. was a complete night and day experience to the one that I had had previously. I still had a lot of fun, but I remember this moment. And if you live in Nashville or you've been to Franklin, you'll know where this section of town I'm about to talk about is. But if you haven't, it may not make sense, but I'll try and paint a picture of it for you. I had this moment in Franklin. There are a lot of horse farms mm-hmm. and it was about, I think it was dusk, which is always my favorite lighting yes. time of day. And we were driving down Mac Hatcher mm-hmm. and, and came up at the intersection of Mac Hatcher and Franklin road. And it's this hill that crests and you look over all of these horse farms and it was dusk. And I, something in me clicked. Mm. Like, it is this visceral memory of the way that I felt Mm. at that moment, which was, I, this is where I want to be. Mm. Like, I want, I want to live here. I want to build my life here. This feels like home in a longing way. Like, I don't even, I've never felt this way before. Mm. Um, And so that was August of 2015, and I didn't know what to do with that. Sure. Um, Mainly because, gosh, I loved the work that I was doing in Florida, and I loved my friends, and I loved my church, and I didn't want to leave. So if you listen to my episode talking about Nevada, you know that at the time at which I made my transition from Nevada to Florida, I was begging the Lord to release me from Nevada. I very much was ready to go. It was still very difficult. Um, I don't want to 
pretend like it was like I hop, skipped, and jumped onto the plane um, sure. because I didn't. But I wanted to leave Florida. I was ready to walk into what was next. Whereas in 2015, I felt so much more jarred mm-hmm. and confused. Mm-hmm. Because I did really love what I was doing in Florida, and I I loved my life there. Florida itself was fairly hard, um, but the work that I was doing and the life that I was living in Florida, I really enjoyed. And so to come visit this place and have this longing be there and to make my home there it was very confusing yeah and, especially because you felt like nah I'm not gonna be in Nashville right so I was coming off this first experience of Nashville very much like nope I'm good yeah. and then to come a year not even a year later and have a completely different experience was was very too was very weird yeah so I went back to Florida and very much um my friend Claire who came to Nashville with me at the time I kind of sat her down and was like, I don't know what to do with all of this. And so we very much came up with this plan of like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to move, there are certain things that need to happen. One, I need to find a new job. Two, I need to start saving money because I have not been living as if I'm trying to move. Um, (laughs) And and three, like I need to really pray and like make sure this is of the Lord. Yeah. Before I uproot my whole life. Um, And... I think I walked in a lot of fear then that I don't feel as much now. I definitely still feel fear about transition stuff now, but it's different in the sense that I think back then, I think when I moved from Nevada to Florida and also when I kind of started feeling stirred toward Nashville, I had so much fear about making the wrong choice. Mm. I get that. Now I, and this could be a whole other episode now now I very much live from this I I I I feel less afraid to make quote-unquote wrong decisions now and I think it goes back to what you and I are talking about of like my heart is postured and surrendered and yielded to the Lord and so I know that even if I do maybe make a decision that isn't his best like I'm not gonna there's no risk involved in terms of like his delight or will for my life lifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I need to allow myself to be led by the spirit in my decision-making, but at the same time, like there's so much more grace there to make a, I don't even like saying wrong decision, but there is so much more grace there to make a wrong decision. Yeah. Exactly. And that he will gently and lovingly correct that. But mm-hmm. going back to 2015, I was very afraid of making the wrong decision. And so I kind of sat on that, stirring for a while Mm. um which was really hard because I felt like I was actively grieving my time in Florida but I was still in Florida yeah yeah but I I was also running full tilt away from the idea of leaving Mm. Florida there's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting emotions in that season Um, um and so I just kind of plugged my ears and hummed, I want to say. It's probably the best way. <laughs> I love that imagery. <laughs> like, if I'm super honest. Man, I get that. Like, I, I came back from Nashville and had about two weeks of, like, okay, like, what does this mean? What does this look like? And then as, like, things started to shape, I was like, mm, nope, 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 Bye. nope. And I just, I just mentally and emotionally noped right out. Um <laughs> And kind of ignored it and tried, yeah, plugging my ears and hum is the best way I can put that. 
like just tried to drown out what was happening. And I think that is a choice that we make sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that I, I'm a proponent for it. Like I'm not advocating for like, <laughs> ignore the project of the Lord. But like, I did that. That yeah. was a thing that happened. Yeah. And so in April of 2016, I went back to Nashville actually for a, um, for a trip for a conference and stayed in this really great part of town called Wedgwood Houston. Um, and I'd had a couple other friends move to Nashville in that time frame. So from my first visit in 2014 to my second visit in 20 or my third visit in 2016, I want to say five or six of my core friends had moved to Nashville. Yeah. And so I was staying in this Airbnb in Woodward, Houston, and texted my friend Brian, who lived in the city, and was like, hey, just got to town, this is where I'm staying. And he just responds and says, oh my gosh, shut up and open your door. And I was like, what do you mean? And so I walk out front, and Brian is two houses down, standing on top of his <laughs> car, like, waving at me. <laughs> and I hadn't known that when I booked my Airbnb, um, so that he was so close, but he was right there. And mm-hmm. it was this moment where I don't, and it was, again, a cl- like, something clicked inside of me of, like, I have people here. Like, mm-hmm. this is, if this is a place that I choose to be, it is going to be good. Mm. And so I was there for a conference and I had extended my trip out a few days, but in the, so I spent about a week total in Nashville in April, 2016 and somewhere over the course of that week, my heart softened to the point where it was putty. Um, Mm. and it was just this undeniable moment. And I, I want to be careful because I think, I think it's really easy for me to look back in hindsight and feel some of that compulsion more and to feel the direction of the spirit more. But in that season, the reality of the situation was, yes, God had good things for me in Nashville. And I've lived the last two years here experiencing those things. And I have no doubt in my mind that it's where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's where I have been supposed to be for the last two years. But back at the very beginning, so April of 2016, when I made that decision to say yes to Nashville, I don't want to gloss over that moment because the reality was I chose Mm -hmm. Nashville. I could have chosen Florida. And I fully believe that if I had chosen Florida, the Lord would have been just as much in Florida with me as he has been in Nashville. Yeah, great point. Great point. But I picked it and I very much felt the invitation of the Lord to say yes mm-hmm. but it was an invitation it was not like a without choice yeah it was not outside of my own will I was not begrudging about it or yeah choice like my choice in the matter feels like a really important thing to touch on because I think sometimes Especially because I do so much have an awareness of, like, the Lord's movement in those decisions. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to talk about it from a place of, like, and then the Lord did this, and then the Lord did this. And I really do believe that he did that. But I had a choice. Yeah, that's good. 
That's um, important. And April of 2016 is when I chose Nashville. Mm. And, and I believe that the Lord honored that. And I believe that he's shown up every single day since then. But even if I hadn't picked Nashville, even if I picked Florida or somewhere else, and when, when the day comes that I don't pick Nashville anymore, I pick somewhere else, I don't think that changes any part of my experience or of my relationship with the Lord. I think he shows up where I am. Yeah, and I think it's a good point to say that just because you felt like the Lord led you to Florida and then you chose Nashville, it does not make it null and void that he led you to Florida. You know, no, I, I had to experience that. Otherwise, yeah. I never could have known what it meant to say yes to Nashville. Yeah, I think I've been in seasons where I felt a nudge to do something and I did it. And then I got there and I was like, wait, this is not like I'm thinking specifically. I moved here a year ago, July, and I accepted a job. Um, and three days later, I quit that job because I have never felt such anxiety. My heart was physically beating so fast I would step into the office and my heart would start beating and there was no there was really no external reasons I knew that there were a few things that made it hard for me but other than that I could not understand why I was so anxious about this job so I quit it three days later which I've never done and come to find out that company just got sued for millions of dollars for Medicaid fraud so I feel like yeah there are times where I step into something that I feel like I'm supposed to do. I prayed and prayed and prayed about that job and I took it. And then that happened and I'm like, Lord, what? But now looking back, I can learn so much from it. So I just want to make it clear. And I think you did a great job of saying just because you end up somewhere because you felt a nudge and then you get there and you're like, uh, are you sure? It doesn't make it null and void. It just means that it's part of the experience, I think. And that's, that's hard. And that's confusing, but I don't think that you were wrong. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And I want to come back to that point, but one thing that I want to interject really quickly is I remember walking through that season with you Ugh. in that in that job and, like, want to say as your friend how proud of you I am. Oh, thank you. Because that was so hard for you. And I so remember hard. talking to you on the phone and, and just saying, like, Al, like, if, if you don't have peace about it, like it's okay. Yeah. But also like you had to make that decision for yourself. And I remember the confusion that you walked through during that season. And I was so proud of the way that you pressed in instead of shutting down. Mm. It was so, so hard because I went without a job for three months after that. And as a, well, and you were already walking into this huge, scary transition of like a whole new life in Cersei. Totally. It was hard. It was really hard. But I think it drives home the point of, like, trust yourself, too. Don't just trust God. I mean, trust God. But also, trust yourself, baby girl, because I knew. I'm a gut person. And I knew that something was wrong. And I did not know what. And I sobbed and sobbed writing my resignation email. And I got um, kind of an abrupt response back. They didn't understand. They were upset with me. And I don't do well with that either. Um, And it was... Like I said, there were no external obvious reasons as to why I should quit. And I don't quit. I don't quit. But I did. And that was really hard. But I, I had to trust myself. And even if I didn't understand and I felt like I heard the Lord wrong and I felt like I had done something wrong, it was terrible. And I walked through several months of feeling that. But now looking back yeah. a year later and they got sued big time and they got shut down, you know, 
it would have been a mess and I would not have wanted yeah. to be there. And I think it was the Lord's protection, but I also think he has gifted all of us with the ability to discern if we will practice discerning. And so yes. I, anyway, I mean, this could be a whole rabbit trail, but <laughs> it's about trusting yourself too. I think that's, we're, yeah. we're saying both, but I think going back to you choosing Nashville, it's, yeah, it's about trusting yourself and knowing yourself as much as it is about knowing God and trusting God, I think. Well, and I think, and I hadn't really thought about this until I started talking about it just now. I think that my decision to move to Nashville was the first in many invitations that I've received from the Lord since I've been here of, of him saying, okay, and again, not audibly, but like deep sensing in my spirit of the Lord opening up two possibilities to me mm-hmm. and giving me the choice. Yeah. You can choose this path and on this path, you're not going to know what it looks like. And there are going to be times where you do feel like you're scrambling in the dark mm-hmm. and you're going to have to trust me in ways that you never have before. And I promise that it'll be good. And I promise that it'll be it, like, work. like this is the invitation that I'm giving you toward best. Mm-hmm. And you can choose that or you can choose this other path that will still be good and you're more aware of like, there's less mystery on this path for you. Yeah. Um, but you can either say yes to the unknown and go this way, or you can say yes to what you've always said yes to and keep getting what you've always been getting. Mm. Yeah. And you, and you get to choose. And that has been his kindness is you get to choose. And either way I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to just like up and leave. Like my delight will still be on you because you are you mm-hmm. and I will still honor and bless you. And I'm just giving you the choice. You can either, you can either live mm. or you can exist. Ugh, Lauren, I'm telling and you. you and you get to choose. And, and that moment of, of choosing Nashville was this choice of living. And it was the first in countless ones I've been invited to make sense. Mm. And I'm not the same person I was when I moved to Nashville. I'm, I'm super not the same person I was when I moved to Florida. Yeah. Those years in Florida shaped me in ways that I don't have words for. Mm-hmm. And made me into a person who could say yes. Mm. Oh. To to the best. This is just too much. <laughs> and so good. You're like speaking right but, to me. It, it is. It's and yeah. Nashville's really tender to me because when shortly after you chose Nashville. You've seen a lot of this unfold. Oh, like gosh. you've only known Nashville Lauren and so we have gotten to know her. The the version of myself that I am presently, you and I have gotten to know her at the same time. I know. <laughs> it really is so tender because I was working at a job just like a hot minute before you were. And you came in as my boss and we were at very, I would say that we were both very vulnerable at that space. Yeah. And I, um, was just starting to date. I, I mean, I can still see in my mind packing shirts in the conference table at our old office when yeah. I chose Clayton over another dud and, um, Clayton's my husband. <laughs> and, uh, anywho, Lauren walked with me through a year of long distance with, 
if you have never done long distance, the Lord bless you and keep you. And if you have, let's get queso because there is no other. It it was terrible. And Lauren knew that if I started to play Vince Gill, like there was a moment that we needed to get some chocolate because there were days where it was like, I I literally can't do this. I'm moving tomorrow. I'm going to move tomorrow. I cannot be long distance any longer, which we had a lot of complicated things that made our uh, long distance hard. But anywho, Lauren would sometimes just pat me on the back or like, I don't know, get me a coffee because it was really challenging and for a lot of the things we've already talked about like why can't it happen now I see what I want why can't I get it and it was just a a time of waiting I just had to wait things out so anywho very tender and I would hope that the um Nashville Allison is not the same as present day Allison I know she's not but whoo I just look back and I'm like bless us all (laughs) I know I feel like but also I'm so grateful for the gift of you and I entering each other's lives in those seasons because I think the reality is like we needed each other so (laughs) and not in like a codependent way just in a like yeah hey I see you and I I I have not walked through what you're walking through but I've walked through hardship and so I can come alongside you and meet you where you are yeah oh and not try and fix it for you but just sit with you in it and it's so, it's so nice. I think hindsight is one of the Lord's biggest gifts because it is so nice to look back now, a year later, or two years, I don't know, and say, gosh, like those days where I was like, I cannot, I cannot, I'm going to yeah. move tomorrow. Like I distinctly remember there were, <laughs> there were mornings where you were like, Allison, should you go to Cersei right now? And I'm like, should I? I don't know. And then I would do it, you know, but anywho, there, I can look back now and be so grateful that I did stick it out and that I did push through. It was the hardest year ever, but I needed to do it. And so it's fun to look back now, having now been married and be in a different spot to say like, okay, it worked out as it was supposed to work out. Even though packing shirts, I was like, I'm going to die probably. I'm not going to die, but you know. It felt like I'd forgotten about that day where I basically was like, Allison, get in your car. Yeah, you need to go, girl. And I did. And I think that it was only for like a day. Like literally, I think it was. I I think you like surprised Clayton. Mm -hmm. Like if I remember correctly, it was just this moment where you were like, I don't know. And I was like, Listen, do you want to leave early? Like, get out of here. I know. Oh, to be young and be able to drive ten hours in twenty four (laughs) hours. I will never do that again. But it was totally worth it. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, I just, I felt like that was very, that's been very much the continual season that I've been in in Nashville is the Lord giving me these beautiful opportunities of, of forks in the road of you can say yes to this yeah, and, and trust me, mm-hmm. or you can say yes to this and and it really is this choice of life or existence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I feel like he's created a little bit of a monster because every time <laughs> I say yes, yes to living fully, it's so good. It's so hard. Like, I don't want to gloss over that for anyone who's in a place of, like, trying to figure out how to live their wholehearted life and, like, how to do that with authenticity. It is the hardest fight you will ever fight. Oh, but, sure. Oh, my word, is it worth it? Yeah, totally. Because the reality is we were not created to exist. We were created to live. Yeah. Yep. And so 
every time I've said, and there have been times in the last two years where I haven't said yes to living. Mm-hmm. I've said yes to existing. There are still certain parts of my life where I say yes to existing instead of living, and I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but every time I have said yes to that invitation, and it is this invitation, it is a choice, mm-hmm. and I know that no matter which choice I make, God is good, and he is with me. Ugh. Drop the mic. And, and that gives peace in a way that I can't quite explain. Yeah. Absolutely. Ugh. So good, Lauren. So yeah. Good. So that was so that, and that very first choice happened April of 2016. And so very much in the same way, I made the decision at the end of April, or at the end of April that I wanted to be in Nashville by October, which would have been my 30th birthday. Um, and I lived in Nashville by the end of July because mm-hmm. apparently I don't know how to take things. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have guessed? <laughs> it um, wasn't quite 75 days, but it was pretty dang close. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it was also around the same time of year that I moved to Florida. Like I moved to Nashville the end of July and I moved when I had moved to Florida. It was like the first week of August. So summer, man, look I out! I Same guess I me. just make all my yeah. All of my biggest moves have been in July. Isn't that weird? Wasn't that so interesting? Or or early August? Yeah, July and August are really big like transitional months for me. It's very strange. Uh, and I was reading this thing the other day that really kind of made me rethink that for the first time ever. Which is when we think of seasons, like. Uh, on the planet seasons like we know that the creation goes through seasons like there's a time of thriving and there's a time of growing and there's a time of harvest and there's a time of of like casting off and getting ready to do it all again yeah and that totally makes sense like I can watch the trees outside of my apartment and I can watch them go through their seasons I watch them when their leaves fall I watch them when they lay bare and get ready I watch them as they regrow and then I watch them while they thrive and so to me the idea of like that example but happening within our own lives as also creation just Mm -hmm. human like humans as opposed to you know plants but like the same is so true for us yeah like we and I think that seasons is kind of like a buzzword in the last few years I know I use it to exhaustion I'm so sorry everyone listening but like (laughs) but it's so true where we I think we really do go through these seasons where Mm -hmm. we we very much have the same kind of rhythm as the rest of creation it looks different because of because we're living breathing humans but like I think if we go into it with that expectation of those cyclical seasons, it makes some of those moments so much less jarring and so much less surprising because it's like, oh yeah, this is that time of year that I kind of do that. Or this is the time of whatever that these are the things that start to happen. Yeah. That's a good point too. I'm a big fan of seasons, mostly because they, they do come to an end, which is sometimes sad but often, yeah. often for me, when I refer to a season, it's typically when it's been difficult. And so mm. I think that it's, it's good that they cycle. For totally. Sure. I think this is the first year that I've ever, um, on an environmental level, really enjoyed winter. Yeah. Oh, I love winter. 
but I think it's because I was anticipating spring. Oh, there it is. You know what I mean? And I've never, and and it's kind of in that same vein of like understanding the way that that happens in my own life too. But I, I really loved winter because I couldn't wait to watch, like I couldn't wait for spring. Yeah. Yep. So good. Yeah. Okay, Lauren. So what is nourishing you now? I know we, um, heard from you not too long ago, but by the time this releases, it will have been, you know, several weeks. So what is nourishing you now? Um, well, in this exact moment, it's a cup of coffee. Oh, yes. So good. <laughs> As we talked about last time. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Black coffee, because, you know, basic yeah. coffee drinker, as we discussed. Yeah. Um, another thing for me is going to the gym. Lately, I, back in January, I really kind of committed to a bit of an overhaul of my health and wellness and fitness and nutrition. And, um, so in May I incorporated exercise into that and, and I've been making a point to get to the gym six days a week since. So hard. It's so hard, but I feel like I'm really, and like I've been able to experience the fruit of those choices as an ongoing experience, which has been really helpful. And it's really done a lot for me in terms of setting incremental goals. I think sometimes if I set too big picture of a goal, I get worn out real fast because yeah. it takes going to take some steps to get there. So I feel like in this, I've been really good about incremental goals, which has been really sustaining. But, um, the last few weeks, I feel like I've really started to experience the payoff of my dedication to fitness mm-hmm. in terms of my energy and how my clothes fit and the way my body feels. And I just, it's been really, really good. And so one of the things that's been nourishing to me in the last few weeks is I haven't necessarily felt like going to the gym. I've been a little more like begrudging about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the things that's been nourishing for me is, again, going back to choice, is, like, making the choice to do what I know is good. Yeah. Instead of what is comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I've done that, and it got me in a place that I didn't want to be. And so now we learn, and we make different choices. So, yeah. Um, yeah, for me in this season, it's going to the gym. It's also um, – just enjoying the end of summer. I've never really loved, I feel like we've talked about seasons so much, but it's just where I'm at. Um, I've never really loved summer before. I've been like, oh, it's so hot and so gross. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this summer has felt really different and I've really enjoyed how long the days are. Like the sun's starting to set a little earlier and it's making me sad already, like <laughs> in anticipation. I'm like, no, I want it to be light until eight o'clock. <laughs> I know that is definitely a hard thing about the fall and winter, but really yeah. it's only a hard thing for me because I love fall and winter. Well, and I can't wait for fall. I'm such like an autumn, the level of autumnal joy in my life cannot be overstated. <laughs> give me all of the apple cinnamon scented candles. Yes. Give me like every piece of orange and red decoration for my house. Like yeah. I'm here for it. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've really been enjoying just soaking in the last bits of summer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. 
Well, Lauren, you will be back because you have a lot of wisdom and a lot of good things to say. And I, I just love hearing from you. You teach me things as we're talking. And I just think it's fun to conversate. Um, I think it's great the way that you... And, and I know that just because I have walked with you through a lot of Nashville stuff, I know that there's so much more you can share. Um, and so you'll be back. No worries, everyone. Just wait. Well, I look forward to being back. This one really punched me right in the gut. I mean, if you couldn't already tell from my reactions, so much of what she said today, I needed to hear myself or needed to be reminded of. And I hope that you feel less alone by her story, not because she has it all together or because we have all the answers, but because we are two people who are saying we don't know and we are doing the very best we can. And there are many, many days where we feel like we're not doing the right things or we're not sure what God is doing or where he is even. Um, I have certainly walked through seasons of life where I wasn't sure what God was doing or if I heard him right or if I heard him at all. Um, It's very difficult. And our heart is that you feel that we are with you and that we've been there and we will be there again. And we just want people to feel less alone. So I really hope you felt that today. Don't forget to check Lauren out um, on all the socials at Lauren Gloin. And I will tag her in the show notes as well as that prayer that we spoke about. So go today and live over just existing. Whatever that looks like for you, I encourage you to take that first step, okay? See you next Tuesday. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.